A very good evening if you've just joined us here on Fine Music Radio 101.3 FM. My name is Adrian Fuchs and I'll be your host for tonight's edition of Great Interpreters. And we're now going to listen to Orla Tromba from Rinaldo by Hindle and the soloist Marilyn Horn, the subject of tonight's programme. Oh, my God. 
And that performance of Orla Tromba from Rinaldo by Hendel was by Marilyn Horn, mezzo-soprano, and the isolisti Venetti with the conductor Claudio Shimone, and this recording dates from 1982. Known for her powerful voice, impressive range, lyrical tone, and stunning vocal pyrotechnics, mezzo-soprano Marilyn Horn is rightly regarded as one of the greatest mezzo-sopranos in opera history and possibly one of the greatest Rossini interpreters ever. When the New York Times selected the 10 greatest singers of all time, Marilyn Horn was the only living singer chosen, while Opera News magazine proclaimed her in 1981 the greatest singer in the world. Horn's career has spanned more than 40 years, and her contributions to opera live on in her numerous recordings. In November last year, she was honoured by the Metropolitan Opera Guild as the first in a series of Met legends who have left an indelible stamp on their art. As Raymond McGill notes, Hers has been one of the most prodigious and remarkable careers of any classical musician in the past half century, and her vocal achievements are now part of operatic history.
the aria Nel Profondo Cecco Mondo from Orlando Furioso by Vivaldi, with Marilyn Horn in the role of Orlando and the Isolisti Veneti conducted by Claudio Simone, and this recording from 1977. Marilyn Horn was born in Bradford, Pennsylvania on the 16th of January 1934. Her father, Benz Horn, was one of the strongest musical influences on her early life and it was with him that she started her first vocal studies at the age of five. Her father's careful guidance paid off, and she eventually won a scholarship to study at the University of Southern California with William Bernard. As a student, Horn attended master classes presented by, amongst others, the legendary soprano Lotte Lehmann. Let's listen now to the famous aria Di Tanti Palpiti from Rossini's opera Tancredi.
That was a live performance of the aria Di Tanti Palpiti from the opera Tancredi by Rosini. Horn's first major breakthrough came in 1954 at the age of 20 when she dubbed the singing voice of Dorothy Dandridge in the film Carmen Jones, Oscar Hammerstein's recreation of Bizet's Carmen. Until that point, she had worked as a background singer for several TV sitcoms as well as recorded covers of popular songs of the early 1950s. At the time, Horn's voice was still very young and substantially different in timbre, a lyric soprano voice whose full potential, especially in the lower register, was yet to be developed. Here is an extract from an interview with Henry Lewis, Horn's former husband, and Horn as well, talking about her voice and about Carmen Jones. I knew Herschel Gilbert fairly well. He was the music director on, on, um, for Preminger on the film Carmen Jones, which was, was coming up. And uh, he was hiring singers and chorus and, and uh, so forth. And they didn't have anybody for um, Cindy Lou. 
which was not the Carmen part, but the, the, the ingenue role, so to speak, in the part of Carmen. And uh, I said, well, you have to listen to this friend of mine, Jackie Horn. I sang at that audition Michaela's aria in French and still didn't realize quite what was going on there. But I heard these, a lot of these women, young women uh, of all ages, sort of singing the famous Habanera, which I had never sung, but obviously knew in my ear and, and certainly could read that, uh, uh, in with the Hammerstein lyrics. Which in, in Carmen Jones is, love's a baby that grows up wild. And she started imitating, while well, she thought Dandridge would sing it or Carmen Jones would sing it, and he said, hey, that's terrific, we don't have a Carmen. And within a couple of days, I was cast to, to do that. And uh, I was 20 years old at the time, and it was just, um, I suppose, um, a lot of moxie that got me there, and uh, the fact that I can imitate a lot of voices. Love's a baby that grows up wild, and he don't do what you want him to. Love ain't nobody's angel child, and he won't pay any mind to you. People say, boy, has your voice changed. And I won't give him a cigarette. I was a lighter voice, but I was trying to imitate her voice. And all I got that man can get. But if you're hard to get a go for you, and if I do, then you are through, boy. My baby, that's the end of you. The title role in Bizet's opera is, of course, one that would feature very prominently later in Horn's repertoire. And we are now going to listen to the famous Habanera from Carmen by Bizet with Marilyn Horn and the Vienna Opera Orchestra conducted by Henry Lewis. Oh, yes. 
was, of course, as I said, the famous Habanera from Carmen, with Marilyn Horn and the Vienna Opera Orchestra, conducted by Henry Lewis. Now, the same year that Marilyn Horn dubbed the singing voice of Dorothy Dandridge in the film Carmen Jones, she also made her operatic debut with the Los Angeles Guild Opera. That year was 1954, and also that year she gave an acclaimed recital at the Hollywood Bowl. The following year, in 1955, Horn came to the attention of Igor Stravinsky, who invited her to participate in the 1956 Venice Festival. A subsequent engagement as a member of the Gelsenkirchen Municipal Opera in 1957 gave Horn an opportunity to explore and broaden her repertoire. She performed in many of the company's productions as a soprano, singing such roles as both Mimi and Musetta in La Bohème, Giulietta in The Tales of Hoffman, Amelia in Simon Bocanegra, and even Mimi in La Fanciulla del West. Well, I spent um, three years in the Gelsenkirchen Municipal Opera in Germany. If one really wanted to be a singer of the leading roles, you had to, to go and experience what it was like to get through a leading role. My, my most famous week at Gelsenkirchen was in 1958, I believe it was. Yes, I think. Yes, 58. Um, I had a week of from hell, actually, but I didn't know it at the time. On Monday, I sang Julietta in the Tales of Hoffman. On Tuesday, I sang Minnie in The Girl of the Golden West. On Wednesday, Julietta. On Thursday, Minnie. On Friday, Julietta. On Saturday, Minnie. And on Sunday, I sang Julietta twice. 
Horn's first great success in Europe occurred at the inauguration of Gelsenkirchen's new opera house on May 22, 1960, as rather unusually, Marie in Berg's Wozzeck. Marie was a role that Horn had initially not wanted to perform, but it became an important calling card for her during her early career. In 1960, she was asked to step in for an ill-disposed soprano at a performance of Wozzeck at the San Francisco Opera. It was also as Marie that Horn made her Covent Garden debut in 1963. On July 1, 1960, Horn took the controversial step of marrying a young black conductor by the name of Henry Lewis. My mother was very much against the marriage because um, Henry is black. In 1960, that was a very, very big deal to have a mixed marriage. And my mother was by then a widow and she truly, I think, felt that her world was going to come crashing around her shoulders. And so she did not come to the wedding. But I consider that Henry really put together the final years of vocal study. He did great um, delving and seeking and reading and writing cadenzas and uh, really, really working hard. Marilyn had an enormous natural gift, but she also had an, a, an, a, a tremendous ability to work and to try to improve. And I think that's always the answer of someone who is who is is truly great. It's it's on it's on on top of a of an enormous gift, to then have the ability to to work and and cultivate. And she worked, and we cultivated a, a technique that stood in her instead for what what is it forty five years now? She's been, you know, the career was a, was that long, which is extremely unusual, as you know. The couple worked and performed together regularly both in the concert hall and the opera house, as well as in the recording studio. Their only child, Angela, was born five years later in 1965. Because of her pregnancy, Horn was forced to withdraw from a performance of Donizetti's Lucrezia Borgia for the American Opera Society in New York City. As a replacement, they hired a new Spanish soprano named Montserrat Caballé, who thrilled the New York audience and became a star overnight. Though Lewis and Horn divorced in 1974, Horn has often referred to her separation as a failed divorce, and she remained a devoted friend to her former husband long after the marriage ended. Let's listen now to the famous Una Voce Poco Fa from Il Barbieri di Siviglia by Rossini, sung by Marilyn Horn in this live performance from La Scala Milan. Oh, 
lascio reggere, mi lascio reggere, mi può guidare, mi può guidare. wonderful singing there from Marilyn Horn in this extract from a live performance of Il Barbieri di Siviglia of Rossini. In February 1960, Horn participated in a concert version of Bellini's Beatrice di Tenda in New York's Town Hall, singing for the very first time alongside Joan Sutherland. No one could have imagined such a perfect blend of voices. Both ideally matched to sing some of the most difficult and florid music in the operatic repertoire, especially the bel canto repertoire of Rossini, Donizetti and Bellini. Joan and I clicked right away, recalls Horn. It was just very easy to sing together. We were both used to singing duets, because we had both done so much of it. I grew up singing with my sister, and she sang with her mom. Beyond that, 
It had to do with the similarity of our musical intentions. It was easy to work with Joan because we both knew what had to be discussed and what didn't. And of course, we had a lot of fun over the years. Here is Sutherland talking about her collaborations with Marilyn Horn. There's still that, that certain explosion of, of, of sound when, when the, the two voices, the two types of voices come together. But it's just that, that, that I, I think Marilyn's and my voice did sort of blend so fantastically and it created a, a certain, I think probably a certain standard. <laughs> It's, it's just one of those things that, that's something like a, a spark or almost like, like magic that, that uh, when, you, when you hear the, the sound of the other voice. Singing Adalgisa to Sutherland's first Norma in Vancouver in 1963, their performances in Semiramide in Boston in 1965 and again in Bellini's Norma in Covent Garden in 1967 created further sensation and culminated in Horn's Metropolitan Opera debut as Adalgisa to Sutherland's Norma in 1970. And I'd now like to play to you the duet Mira o Norma from Norma by Bellini, sung by Marilyn Horn as Adalgisa and Joan Sutherland as Norma. <laughs> Oh. 
Marilyn Horn and John Sutherland there singing the famous Mira o Norma from Bellini's Norma in this live performance. Horn's debut at the Metropolitan Opera alongside Sutherland and Norma caused a sensation and the famous New York Opera House became her artistic home. She would sing many more times at the Met. Special highlights include her performance of 19th of September 1972 when she opened the 1972-73 season as Carmen as well as in 1984 when the Met management staged Handel's Rinaldo especially for her, the very first Handel opera ever performed there. And we are now going to listen to the famous Cara Sposa from Rinaldo by Handel with Marilyn Horn and the Isulisti Venneti conducted by Claudio Scimone and this recording from 1982.
Marilyn Hunde singing Cara Sposa from Handel's opera Rinaldo. Robert Jakobshagen once described Horn as quite simply the best singer in the world. If you are talking about singing per se, he notes, in other words, the application of the rules of bel canto, there is no denying her supremacy. Only Joan Sutherland, with whom she often used to make music, comes anywhere close to her. As Guido York notes, Jakobshagen was not just paying tribute to Horn's superficial vocal skills. Agility and trill technique, legato and dynamic control, body and colour are not mere external aspects of singing, but rather its essential constituent elements. And yet Marilyn Horn has often been accused of a sin that even Richard Wagner identified in his day. She is charged with having made the means of singing into an end into themselves. When she is accused of excessive ornamentation in her singing, she becomes livid. How I would love to sit down and show these critics, who claim to know what they are talking about, she once said, a few examples of ornamentation. If I sang Rosini the way the composer himself heard his music, then I would quickly be shown the door. I have looked at and rejected nearly all the ornaments that Giuditta Pasta sang in Tancredi, and now I am accused of over-ornamentation because of the few that I have left in. They only represent a tenth of the numbers she used to sing, and after all, these are showpieces for star singers. Horn's artistry, according to Fred Plotkin, was the result of prodigious gifts, a gorgeous, unmistakable voice, radiant intelligence, and an innate humanity that connected to every word and note she sang. In addition to flawless diction, she gave every word considered weight and meaning. These gifts were enriched by years of intense work and preparation, plus the rare ability to be a great listener and the essential skill that all great performers have, to leave all of the effort behind in the wings and embrace spontaneity. And we are now going to be listening to Mon Coeur Souverain à Devoir from Samson and Delilah by Saint-Saëns. And this recording is with the Monte Carlo Philharmonic Orchestra conducted by Lawrence Foster. And it dates from 1984. But before I play it, I'd just like to read you a brief note about what Horn once said about this aria. I've always loved this aria and I always wanted to sing it, even when I was a kid and still singing soprano roles. It's so appealing, not only because of that gorgeous melodic line but because of Dalila's passion. She's a very complex and ardent woman. I always tell students that when you're learning a role, you've got to go for the words. You have to really understand what a character is about. But this aria also asks a singer for the full package. She has to sing with a solid legato right down into the lower octave, naturally and easily, or at least with apparent ease.
Mon cœur there from Samson and Delilah by Saint Sans, with Marilyn Horn and the Monte Carlo Philharmonic Orchestra conducted by Lawrence Foster. Although Horn began her career as a light lyric soprano, her voice gradually settled and matured into a mezzo-soprano instrument of dramatic proportions, equipped with extreme flexibility. This extraordinary combination allowed her to specialize in roles requiring a large sound, beauty of tone, excellent breath support, and the ability to execute difficult coloratura passages. Her unique timbre has a hint of metal at the center, a ringing and sweet soprano top, and a formidable stentorian low contralto at the bottom register. Here is an extract from an interview with Horn, her former husband, Henry Lewis, and the baritone bass, Samuel Ramey, talking about the characteristics of her voice. In my day, we were trained, as I said, like boy sopranos, and um, then with puberty arrived this other whole octave. An octave is eight notes, right? Uh, on the bottom of my voice, which meant that I suddenly had this lower voice, which I did nothing to achieve. It just arrived because now I was so-called young woman. And, um, but I still continued to sing soprano. So the soprano is the higher range and the more brilliant quality of the female voices. And the mezzo-soprano is exactly what it is, half soprano, which means it's half soprano and therefore does not maybe go up quite as high as the sopranos sing and then gets down into a, an even lower register than the sopranos, but predominantly sings in the middle part of the voice and should have a quality of sound that will say goes more towards a woodwind sound of an oboe rather than the woodwind sound of a flute. When she had been a soprano, the lower and middle had this rich gift, and then the upper voice that she sang with in Gelsenkirchen in those days when she sang soprano parts, the upper voice was something different, was narrower and, and, and smaller. But she found that in, by singing these mezzo parts where she didn't have to stay in the high tessitura, she could develop the upper register from that middle register, and with that same dark quality, and the trick, of course, is to do that without losing any brilliance and without losing a uh, uh, force, which took us some time of, 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 of daily practicing and exercises. One is, not a, you know, one, one is not accustomed to hearing a voice of that size, being able to move, have the flexibility that she has. I think that is what has made her unique. I mean, you, you, used to, you think of, of, of a coloratura voice, you think of a much lighter sound. But when you hear Marilyn, you hear the size of this voice and the, and the fact that she, that it, it moves so it was such ease. Horn had conquered virtually every major opera house in every corner of the repertory, bringing to all of them a vibrant sensitivity, beauty and sheer magnetism that remains to this day unsurpassed. The New York Times once referred to her as surely the most American of all operatic singers and in the best sense a can-do technical command of the voice, ready intelligence, Protestant work ethic in excelsis, firm grounding in the popular culture, and a melting pot versatility. Here is Azucena's Stridella Vampa from Il Trovatore by Verdi, and the National Philharmonic Orchestra is conducted by Richard Bonning.
And that was, of course, Stride la Vampa from Il Trovatore by Verdi, sung by Marilyn Horn and the National Philharmonic Orchestra conducted by Richard Bonning. Horn's vocal and dramatic range has been staggering, from Handel and Rossini to Berg and Bernstein. She has inspired an impressive body of new work, ranging from Igor Stravinsky to William Balcom, and she especially has been instrumental in nourishing and popularizing new American music, to which she brings the same energy and commitment. Rightly regarded as one of the most versatile singers in history, Horn's many great roles include, amongst others, Handel's Rinaldo, Rosini's Isabella and Rosina, Verdi's Amneris and Princess Eboli, and Bizet's Carmen. Her most important contribution, however, was as a catalyst in the revival of the neglected operas of Handel, Vivaldi, and especially Rosini. Here is Cruda Sorte, Amor Tirano, from L'Italiana in Algeri, by Rosini, with the orchestra of the Royal Opera House Covent Garden, conducted by Henry Lewis. And this recording is from 1964. Oh, <laughs> 
Marilyn Hoon there as Isabella singing Cruda Sorte Amortirano from L'Italiana in Algeri by Rosini. And the orchestra of the Royal Opera House Covent Garden was conducted by Henry Lewis. During a long and distinguished career, Hoon has earned widespread acclaim, especially in Italy, as the supreme interpreter of Rosini. In 1983, for example, she was dubbed La Rossiniana by the Italian critics who created the first Rossini Prize for her. And I'd now like to play you extracts from an interview with Horn talking about her whole Rossini experience, and this will then lead into the aria Per lui che adoro from L'Italiana in Algeri by Rossini. Rossini has, has um, what can I say, he's, he's made the difference, I think, in a wonderful career to a fabulous career. And... Um, the fact that, well, that I've sung some operas that I didn't even know existed when I started out. The fact that my first big success uh, in New York came in Semiramide, not singing the role of Semiramide, and the only two things I knew were the overture and Belraggio losing gear, and I wasn't singing any of that. I mean, it just is a, an extraordinary um, happenstance in my life that, that Rossini Rossini's time had come again to be revived and, and I was the right lady in the right place who could do it. It's, it's, it's really uh, the roll of the dice, I think. The music, sometimes it's overlooked what's in there beyond the flashy stuff because Rossini wrote some of the most gorgeous melodies that were ever written. Perhaps maybe Bellini outdid him here and there but Rossini was a great melodic writer and I think once people get get past the initial excitement of of the bravura singing then perhaps they can sit down and listen to these gorgeous melodies that are passing by
Per lui che adoro there from l'italiana in Algeri, sung in a live performance by Marilyn Horn. Horn's repertoire encompasses ten Rossini roles. Her unusually deep and dark yet flexible voice allowed her to encompass the dramatic contralto coloratura repertoire, including the roles of Tancredi, Arsacci, Isabella in l'italiana in Algeri, and Cenerentola. These roles require extremely rare characteristics in singers, such as an incredibly big sound in the middle and lower registers, besides the high range, and with lots of dramatic accentuation. As a result, these roles are very seldom performed. The next aria that we're going to listen to is from Semiramide, also by Rosini, and this is Eccomi al fine in Babilonia, a quel giorno ogno ramento, with Marilyn Horn as Arsace, and the orchestra of the Royal Opera House Covent Garden is conducted by Henry Lewis.
So 
Some absolutely marvellous singing there by Marilyn Horne in the aria and recitative Eccomi al fine in Babilonia, Acqua giorno ogno ramento, from Semiramide by Rossini, and the orchestra of the Royal Opera House Covent Garden was conducted by Henry Lewis. Alessandro Zorniotti, who worked as Horne's assistant for a number of years, once noted that one of the first things he discovered about Horne is her extraordinary generosity, not only with money, but in lending her names to ideas and institutions that she could help. When possible, she wrote not only a cheque but also letters, and she did benefit appearances if her presence could lead to greater respect for an organisation. Horn's intentions to assist and to lend her support wherever she could led to the establishment in 1994, at the time of her 60th birthday, of the Marilyn Horn Foundation, an organisation devoted to young singers and pianists who would keep the tradition of the vocal recital alive. In the past 14 years, the Marilyn Horn Foundation has fostered a generation of talented young singers, including amongst others, Stephanie Blythe. On the 28th of November 1999, Horn gave her last solo classical recital at the Chicago Symphony Center. Then, in December 2005, Horn's manager at Columbia Artist Management announced that the 72-year-old singer was diagnosed 
and is being treated for localized pancreatic cancer, the same cancer that took the life of her friend and colleague Luciano Pavarotti. Let's listen now to Fronde Tenere, Ombre Mai Fu from Serse by Handel. The Solisti Veneti is conducted by Claudio Simone, and Marilyn Horn, of course, is singing the role of Serse.
Marilyn Horn there singing Fronde Tenere, Ombra Mai Fu, from Sarse by Handel. And the Solisti Veneti was conducted by Claudio Shimone in this recording from 1982. Following two years of experimental cancer treatment, it was announced earlier this year, in January 2008, that Horn had been declared free of pancreatic cancer. In an interview held shortly after the announcement, Horn summed up her approach to life and her fight against cancer as, I don't think it's I want to live, it's I'm going to live. Let's listen now to Nacque Alafano e al Pianto, non più mesta, from Rossini's La Cenerentola, and the orchestra of the Royal Opera House Covent Garden is conducted by Henry Lewis.
Nacque all'affanno e al pianto, non più mesta, from La Cenerentola by Rossini. And Marilyn Horn singing there, of course, with the orchestra of the Royal Opera House Covent Garden, conducted by Henry Lewis. That brings us to the end of tonight's edition of Great Interpreters. From me, Adrian Fuchs, a sincere thank you for all the calls that I've received tonight. Join me again on Friday the 14th of March when I'll be presenting a program on soprano Leontine Price. Have a wonderful weekend. And to end off, we will now be listening to Fammi Combattere from Orlando by Handel. And the E. Celisti Veneti is conducted by Claudio Scimoni. Yeah. <laughs>